This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Chris Brooks here, and I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Did you know that we are funded by the generosity of listeners just like you? Would you help us finish this month strong? Just call 888-644-4144 or give at equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you to what will be a very uh, important, I believe, edition of Equip. Before we dive into that, let me just remind you to mark your calendars. We are just days away from our next Zoom webinar, our Equipper Zoom webinar. And this is something we do for our monthly partners. So coming up on Thursday, February 1st, February 1st, we're going to talk about understanding Islam. Obviously, so much has been made about all that's happened in the Middle East, all that's happened in the Holy Land. Uh, the world has been watching, and it's just brought to the forefront again. Uh, what is Islam? What are the tenets of Islam? How do I, as a Christian, relate to and share the gospel with my Muslim neighbor? How do I help to show the love of Christ without compromising my convictions. We're going to talk about all of that and so much more at our next Zoom webinar. Now, if you're a monthly partner, I want to encourage you, you should have received already an email for registration. Just simply go into your inbox and type in the search bar, Equipper Encouragement. The email will come up. There's a link there. It's easy. It's convenient. Please make sure you register. Now, if you're not a monthly partner, no worries. We've made it easy for you as well to find out more about what it means to be an equipper. All you have to do is dial the number 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Become one of our monthly partners and uh, you can sign up for our next Zoom webinar. It's going to take place right after the program, Thursday, February 1st. Today, I want to talk about something that's a huge passion in my heart, and that is reaching the next generation with the gospel, in particular, reaching college students with the gospel. You know, my team and I are in the midst right now of developing a worldview curriculum specifically for university students to help them to look through the lens of Scripture about every area of life, from science to the arts, from technology to career and family decisions. The gospel, I believe, is a holistic worldview that helps us to see all of the world uh, correctly as God would intend. But yet it is uh, not lost on me and those who are working with me. Uh, the challenges, the false messages that oftentimes our college students, your sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters are uh, being confronted with. And maybe you're a college student yourself listening today. 
uh, in uh, trying to live out your faith. Or maybe you're a college student deconstructing from your faith. Or maybe you're a college student wondering, is Christ worth following? And how do I get my friends to believe that as well? Well, today we want to talk about that with Phil Gillespie. I love Phil. Phil is in campus ministry. He has served as the director for Athletes in Action at Michigan State University, uh, which is a great place to go to school, by the way. I graduated from there. <laughs> Phil has served in AIA for over 30 years, 24 of which uh, he has uh, spent at Michigan State. He and his wife, uh, Julie, are just phenomenal people doing great ministry, and I'm so grateful to call them friends. Phil, how are you, brother? I am doing fantastic, and it's great to hear your voice, as always. Talk a little bit about AIA. For those who don't know the history, the ministry of Athletes in Action, give us a sense of the mission and the work that you guys do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Many of the listeners out there may be familiar with uh, the organization Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, Athletes in Action, AIA, we're, we're the sports ministry of Campus Crusade, or what's called CRU now. Um, it started back in 1966, and uh, Dr. Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade, uh, was very much a, an entrepreneur and, entrepreneur and visionary, and really wanted to get the gospel message into the different facets of society, to contextualize it. And so, uh, yeah, back in 66, uh, they developed a sports ministry where our aim is to minister uh, to the athlete, but also through the athlete, and help them understand now, how do you really apply the gospel in the context of sport and truly glorify God in the sport? Um, because that is such a, a, a needy group of people uh, who are very performance-driven. Um, so if you think of AIA, think of three circles that kind of intersect in a Venn diagram, God, life, and sport. And we're kind of right in the middle uh, where we want to hit the student-athlete uh, with where they're at. You know, it's interesting. You've been on a campus that has faced a lot. And before it's all said and done today, I want to just ask you what it's like to minister in the aftermath of trauma. Obviously, there was the horrific uh, mass shooting on the campus last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk to you about what it's like to minister on the other side of trauma. Many have come to know Michigan State for being associated with Larry Nassar and the uh, terrible, terrible, heartbreaking uh, 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 crimes that he committed. But um, before I do that, I just really want to hear your heart about why. Why did you and Julie say 30 years ago now, we want to invest our lives doing this? Mm. Well, uh, really the, the change that God made in our life. Um, I, I wasn't the guy who came into college that didn't know Christ. I actually came in more as the comfortable Christian, uh, came to know the Lord when I was about seven and grew up in the Christian school church environment. Um, the upside of that was I was exposed to a lot and I learned a lot about the Lord and about his word. I think the downside sometimes is, uh, we, we as humans tend to isolate ourselves and, and put ourselves around people who are like us. And so going to a state school, and I went to the University of Cincinnati uh, to pursue a degree in architecture, that really was the best thing that God could have ever done in my walk with him. 
to be surrounded by people who disagreed with me, uh, mm-hmm. where I had to actually ask the question, do I really believe what I say I believe? And it was during those um, years at, at the university where my faith was really hammered out um, and a, a huge passion for the Lord uh, arose in me. It's kind of like when you awake from a dream and you're like, he really is all that he says that he is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that was that was the reason why we wanted to, you know, uh, to serve in ministries. We want to not pay it forward per se, but to be like a signpost to students at this crucial age and just to point them with what they could have in Christ. So let's ask this question, Phil. You've been doing this, you and you and uh, Julie, for a few decades now. Both of you are, both you and I are young men, and uh, I never want to forget that. But we've been doing right. ministry <laughs> well for a little, a little while now. But but how have you seen it change? What, what's different now versus when you started doing college and campus ministry? 30 years ago? Yeah, that's, well, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think growing up, the, uh, the, the, the pursuit of the things external to us going after career or, uh, you know, reputation, American dream, the life, all caps, was found out there. I think, and there's always that temptation, but I, when I look at the students today, there is very much an uh, an inward look of, um, do you see me? Do I, do I matter? Um, we do a lot of missions work in South Africa and there's a phrase, uh, it's the term Salbona. It's a greeting and it it means I see you, not just your physical presence, but I see you and you matter. And I think more than ever, uh, the student today wants to know where do I fit in the narrative of life. Uh, and part of the problem is, is that there's told in their whole life that there really is no grand narrative, but they desperately want to be seen, noticed, and valued. Wow. You know, it's so interesting that you bring that up because we, even as a team at my local church, have really talked about the shift from the pursuit of success versus the pursuit of significance. Now, I know in many ways all of it is mixed in there, but I do think there Mm -hmm. has been a major shift in focus, and you're exactly right. So much of what um, the previous generation pursued was success, and how do you measure that? And that produced Mm -hmm. a performance-based reality to life. So hearing the gospel of grace, and it's not by works, it's by faith, that's a hard message to receive when uh, you have been convinced that it's all about merit and how you perform. Now, I know athletes have that in spades, but you add on to that the need to be seen, known, loved deeply. And uh, not only do I think that's a challenge, but I also think that's an opportunity because that's something that the gospel can answer like no one else. Throughout this conversation, Phil, part of what I want to be able to do, I pray, is spark a vision in the hearts of those who are listening that may be called to the same type of ministry that you and your wife, Julie, are called to. So let's do real quickly, before we go to break, our first little sales pitch here. Uh, What would you say to the person who's listening that says, man, um, God, I want you to use my life, 
why should someone consider investing their life in reaching college students? Hmm. Boy, <laughs> you got two hours to talk about that. <laughs> um, you know, for, well, for one, it's just if you do the math, it's so strategic. Um, if you can reach somebody uh, at a young age, and none of us know how long we're going to live, but it's very much like investing, right? Your financial yes. planner will tell you if you have time on your side, it's a great advantage. And it's like, why, wherever we're at, you know, I'm, I turn 56 tomorrow. Why would I not use my life to be able to, uh, not instead of spending it, right, to invest it and pour into it to people that are going to last and, and carry the baton. So just the math right there would suggest that. But I think as, I, as we grow closer to the Lord as believers and as Christ incarnates himself in us and the fruit of the Spirit is born, we start desiring the things that he desires. And when you look at him and who that he is, I'm like, why wouldn't you want to tell others? Why wouldn't you want to be yes. able to do that? Now, we all have that opportunity with where we're at, right, Bloom, where you're planted. But I, I do love the fact that, man, I get to spend 50, 60 hours a week just investing into football players and hockey players and basketball players and so forth about the greatest news ever. Yeah. And when you think about that, I, you know, I like to think of it this way. You referenced the fact that I used to be a stockbroker, and the greatest, most exciting day in most brokerage firms is when a new stock is released. A new company comes to market. We call it an IPO, an initial public offering. And you can get in on the ground floor. And imagine getting in on the ground floor of some of these great blue chip stocks. Imagine if you were there at the beginning of a small company named Disney as they launched out. Or a Microsoft as they launched out. Or you mm. name it, Harley-Davidson as they launched out. Now, I look at these uh, students, these college students, as IPOs, and we get a chance yeah. to get in on the ground floor. Now, if I would have came to you um, years ago and said, hey, there's this little stock called Disney, um, would you be interested in investing in that? You may be tempted to say no, but it would be much to your regret because you look up later mm -hmm. and you realize what a return on investment. Some of these kids will have 30, 40, 50 years ahead of them to be able mm -hmm. to live fruitful lives as disciples, to be able to share the gospel. And so yes. I think about that return on investment and I say, what a better way to invest time, effort, and energy, either directly doing it or supporting people like you and Julie who are directly doing it and your teams as well. Let me ask one more question before we go to break, and that is, what is the key right now, do you believe, to reaching college students? What are you seeing is the key to the gospel spreading on our college campuses? Hmm. Boy, I, I really see it in doing it in the context of relationship. You know, I grew up in a generation where, yeah, they wanted to reach people, but the, 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 the presentation was, you know, do you want to go to heaven or hell? Well, who in the right mind would want to go to hell? <laughs> of course I want to go to heaven. Sure, I'll receive Jesus, right? But when you think about the gospel, the, the need that the students have to be seen, to experience intimacy and, and unconditional love and to be fully known, that is in the gospel. Yes, heaven yes. is going to be awesome. It's going to blow our minds. 
But to be able to walk with that type of a person the rest of your life, yes. why wouldn't you want that early on? Wow. You talk about significance. You talk about purpose. You talk about love. How does all of that apply? In particular, in the aftermath of trauma, we're going to talk to Phil Gillespie about that. I want you to find out more about Phil, about his ministry. Go to our website, equipradio.org. We'll be right back. Hey, Equippers, thank you for blessing us with your faithful monthly support. You should have received an email detailing how to sign up for our next interactive Zoom webinar. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you. Now, if you're not an Equipper and you want to attend, all you have to do to become a monthly partner is call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Thanks to all of our friends and partners who support us. If it were not for God's grace and your generosity, we should, would not be here each and every day to fulfill our mission to equip Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend your faith. If we've been a blessing to you, we ask that you would consider supporting us today. Your generous gift of $50 or $100 or $500 or more helps to make all the difference. And on the other side of your obedience, lives are being changed forever and for eternity. Why don't you call today, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. And this month, our gift to you in exchange for your support is a wonderful book simply entitled Memorizing Scripture. Now, I know when it comes to memorizing Scripture, it may feel like, oh, that's the stuff of Sunday school when, you, when you're younger. But I don't think we should ever get to the point where it's not important for us to fulfill Psalm 119.11. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You can do this. I am uh, 47 years old now and recognize that different stage of life, but I still want to make sure I'm committing to my heart the word of God so that I can know it and live it and share it with others. So this great book by Glenna Marshall can be yours, a gift of any amount. It'll help you to learn the basics, the blessings, and the benefits of meditating on God's word. I want to help you to grow this year spiritually. Find out more by dialing that number, 888-644-4144, or go to our website, equipradio.org. Today, my guest, Phil Gillespie, he serves at Athletes in Action, a great ministry of crew, uh, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. He serves at Michigan State University, and uh, so grateful to have him on with me. Phil, we talked about why this ministry is so important, but let's just shift to what it's been like over the last couple of years. And in particular, mm. you and I got a chance to spend some time together last year in the aftermath of, uh, man, the the horrific uh, mass shooting that took place on the campus. Take us back to those days and what it's been like ministering, what it was like immediately following, what it's been like since. and lessons that maybe you can share for those of us who really want to be sensitive to the traumas that our young people are facing. Yeah, yeah, it's an evening I'll never forget for sure. Uh, And, you know, so many of us were listening to the police scanner 
and hearing it play out in real time. And I think that not only brought the whole community into the situation, but a lot of people, uh, you know, in, uh, in the nation into that situation, um, you know, seeing the students on campus and how they reacted, um, and then the aftermath, uh, never before have, has there been such a need and desire as we talked about last segment to be seen and to be known. And yet it's so easy to retreat. And I think I've seen a lot of students do that. Um, as humans, we love to medicate our pain and, you know, after the first couple of weeks, you have people talking about it, but then spring break happened and in a way, and that was good to get away from campus, but then life starts to resume and it's like the AirPods go on even more. Right. And, uh, people, which is a conundrum, people want to be seen, they want to be known and yet they retreat in and, and they're hurting. Uh, and I think that that uh, culture lends itself to not initiating with people and therefore, uh, uh, well, as the poets say, most uh, men live lives of quiet desperation. Yeah. Uh, you may yeah. not see it on the face, but that's where they live. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. When we came up and spent some time, myself, good friend Abdu Murray was on campus that week. Yodi, my wife, joined me. Um, there was um, a sweet openness, though to the gospel that mm, yes. I think was a surprise uh, in some ways. I heard stories of students that were in classes where the profs allowed them to pray um, mm. or even share about their faith. Um, I met that week um, professors who had questions about the goodness of God um, and uh, his character and and you expected some of the questions like, where is God in suffering? How could yeah. a God who is all-loving, all-powerful allow something this tragic to happen? And those questions you anticipate, and I think they're fair to ask those questions. But were you surprised at the openness to the gospel, at least to me, seemed to be very tangible in the aftermath yeah. of the tragedy? Yes, yes. And, 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 and when the gospel is, is spoken and people reach out, even though many times people medicate and look inward, when a lifeline is given, there are people who will grab it. And I think that's yes. what you were you know, seeing in that, uh, in that situation. And the, the event was so traumatic and so palpable, it broke through the veneer and the crust of self-protection, where it was okay to say, I am in need. I'm hurting. And so I think that's what you were seeing there. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think that this, this is when, uh, being, we often talk about being in the right place at the right time. Right. And I don't know if I so much buy into that as being in the right place all the time and the right time mm -hmm. typically comes. I say mm -hmm. that simply to say when those moments happen, people s tend to, be drawn to trusted relationships, trusted voices. And what was powerful in that moment for me and my wife observing you and Julie is that you guys had clearly gained the trust of those mm -hmm. students where they felt safe turning to you in their moment of need. Um, 
and uh, that wasn't so much the time if you're an unknown commodity to try to introduce yourself. That was the time to really, uh, yeah. hopefully, be be available to those who uh, had already built trust. What do you say to parents who are trying to walk their kids through trauma? We talked earlier about why the ministry is so important, but what do you say to parents? Yeah. Well, and it never hurts to have a posture of listening. Um, you know, they won't, uh, they don't care about what you know until they know that you care. Right. Uh, yes. and I think when we listen, um, the Holy spirit, right. If we're surrendered to him and we're listening and we're genuinely caring, not just putting on the phone and listening for five minutes so that we can talk for the next 50 minutes, I think he reveals and points to the avenues and the conduits into the soul. And that's what we're, we're looking at. We're not, look, we're not looking to give gospel presentations as if, you know, we can check the box, but we're wanting to connect. We want the message to connect. But how do I know how to connect it unless I really know what the soil is like? And I think when we take the time to listen and then repeat back to what we're hearing and ask more questions, I think you'll find, you know, kids, if it's a, a parent-child relationship, the kid will want to have another conversation. In fact, with our student athletes, we're like, okay, how can you get in the spiritual and gospel conversations so that when you're done with it, they want to have another one. And it's not just a, a one and done. Yeah. So listening and looking for those, those, those cues and avenues. And, and frankly, when you show up like that, it's not even so much everything that you say, but they remember that you were there similar to a funeral, right? It's not what you say so much, but your presence that is there. And I think in our situation here on campus, over the years when you have the, uh, the presence of being in people's lives and you care and you, you, want, you, you see them and you want to know them, then when the time comes to a big event comes, they're open to it. And it's, it's not just like the thousands of others who care for a week or two, but then are gone. Listening is powerful because it communicates love. Phil and Julie have been doing that on the campus of Michigan State, but each one of us can do that in the life of a college student. Be a trusted friend. We're going to talk more about that on the other side of this break. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful to have Phil Gillespie stop by the program. He's campus director with Athletes in Action at Michigan State University. He and his wife, Julie, have been serving college students and athletes for over 30 years. And uh, it's amazing to be able to, to do that. And you're only 35 years old, Phil. So I, I'm grateful for your faithfulness. Five years old, already launched the gospel ministry. No, a little bit older than that. You and I both <laughs> Uh, man, it's hard to believe that it's been over 30 years since I've been a student. Uh, when I came on at Michigan State, uh, and mm -hmm. I thought about that not too long ago, like, man, I was walking on that campus uh, 30 years ago, and, and yet I think about how that was such a defining time in my life. And it was what Christ did in my life during that season, and some in high school as well, that launched my life of serving him now, right? And, and again, going back to what you and I talked about earlier, Phil, if we can reach these students with the gospel 
have mm-hmm. authentic, credible ministry, uh, trusted uh, influence in their life for Christ, it can, like it did for me, like it did for you at the University of Cincinnati, um, it can launch out a life of serving Jesus. And uh, I'm grateful it did for you. I'm grateful it did for me. And I'm praying that it will do it for thousands and thousands of kids across the country. Is there an estimate on how many college students AIA serves around the world? Boy, that just morphs and changes, right? I, I believe we are on either full-time staff or uh, connected with student leaders, uh, probably close to 200 campuses across the nation wow. and probably serving about 65 to 70 countries uh, worldwide. Wow. Well, you know, obviously you you are um, you are someone who's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let me just talk to you about another difficult situation. Obviously, the aftermath of the shooting was terrible for for one reason, but the Larry Nasser was terrible for another reason. Um, mm-hmm. I have very rarely had times where I felt ashamed of being a Spartan. I typically wear yeah. that with pride, as you know. But the Larry Nasser situation, for those who don't know, he was the Olympic doctor who uh, uh, was found guilty of abusing many female gymnasts and others. Uh, He was also at Michigan State. Uh, He is serving prison time even now. Um, What was it like ministering in the aftermath of that? And just talk about the um, heart for justice that you see among your college students and how the gospel can answer that? Boy, that's, you know, just like uh, earlier February with the shooting, there's certain things that you remember clearly in your mind where you were at or, or, or what the atmosphere was like. And back when the Nassar situation was really unfolding, it, it felt like it was just a dark cloud over the whole campus, everywhere you would walk. And, uh, you know, and I, I serve and reach out to, uh, you know, college uh, athletes and coaches and, you know, even even the coaches, it didn't matter what sport you were in, right? Um, uh, it's like in my next, did I do something, you know, did something happen under my watch that I didn't know about? And will, you know, will I be next? And there was this fear because sin, the part of the lie of temptation and sin is that it only affects you. It doesn't. It's like a bomb. It has shock waves and it moves out in a horizontal uh, fashion and knocks people down and destroys lives. And even in the sports department, athletic department, there were people who lost their jobs um, just because sure. they were around in the, in the situation. And so uh, again, when an event like that happens, it brings out what's really important in life and how frail we are as humans and how little we control, but therein lies opportunities for hope and the real answers. You know, it's really interesting that you bring up this whole thought of there is no private sin. I say that often because I think one of the lies of this generation is, hey, what happens in the bedroom is your business. Uh, that That's not mm-hmm. a public sin. What you do online is your business. It's not a public sin. It doesn't hurt anybody else. But the truth of the matter is, is that while my wife and I, our covenantal relationship, yeah, there's a private side to it. It certainly is a public side to it as well, because if I don't keep my covenant with my wife, it affects my children. 
It affects my yeah. church. It affects my community. And so in many ways, we have to look at our actions, our behaviors, our choices as both private and public. Because as you just said, um, this terrible series of choices to sin, to hurt, to abuse people, man, just left a terrible wake in, um, mm. in the aftermath of it. But it seems to me that so many leaders paid a price for it, and even Christians, because once you begin to question the credibility of those that are in authority, it doesn't stop. It doesn't seem to me, Phil, it doesn't stop with, oh, I'm just questioning doctors. No, you're questioning school administration, you're questioning parents, you're questioning pastors. So how do you overcome that in your work with um, with college students, this whole sense of distrust, where I don't trust people who are in authority. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Uh, are you present in a person's life to where they really believe that you're for them, you're in their corner, that you, that you love them, and want to help them steward their talents instead of loving their talents and, and just using them. Right. Um, it's when you're, when you're present, trust is gained and and it's, and it's gained over time. It's amazing how it takes time to earn it, but you can blow it really, really quick. That's there. Um, and again, with college athletes, they're loved for their commodity. They're loved for what they can produce. And so, having a long-term perspective on ministry and be involved in, in, in people's lives where our ministry is very much family oriented. People are mm-hmm. in and out of our house all the time. Um, it's, uh, we, it's not just about come to something. I'm going to speak to you for an hour and leave. You get involved in their lives. You, you counsel them in their relationships. Uh, <laughs> you perform their weddings. You cry with them. Uh, you're, you're there for them. It costs you something but but when we do that, we're emulating Christ, and and that is what they need at, at yes. that particular thing, uh, because yeah. there, there's this idea, this Pollyanna pie in the sky idea that I I I've, I've got to search for the perfect life where everything comes together. It, it's not going to happen here. So rather than tell them a phony gospel and follow the Lord and nothing bad will happen. How much better to be in relationship with one who knows more about pain than anybody else. And that is our Lord. He knows pain. He's familiar and he wants to walk through it with you. Money can't buy that. Maybe you're thinking about, man, I want to impact college students with the gospel. I would highly encourage you to find out more about the ministry of athletes in action find out about the work that Phil and Julie Gillespie are doing on campus of Michigan State and the broader national ministry. We have um, information on our website. If you click on program details by going to equippedradio.org, equippedradio.org, just click on today's program details and uh, everything about Phil and uh, Julie and the wonderful work they're doing is right there. And, uh, man, again, I can't think of a greater investment. I want to ask this question. Uh, this age has become known as the age of deconstruction. Um, mm. you, you know that term. Uh, a lot of people have defined it as slowly detaching from your faith, walking away from your faith. 
Are you seeing deconstruction happening on your campus and uh, your work among college students? And what do you think is driving it and how should the church respond to it? Yeah, that's a great question. And it is happening on campus and in the general population. And I think so much of that comes from um, this generation loves authenticity and they can sniff out phony. And so many professing believers, it's all it is, is just a profession or a veneer, uh, like an amusement park. You, you see the, the veneer behind it when you look at the, the guts of the stuff going on is something different. And I, I think that has caused a, a lot of students to deconstruct. And again, when you, you, you boil down and distill something down to, uh, you know, true statements or, or just uh, even doctrinal statements, and you divorce it from the relationship, the intimate relationship that God wants to have, uh, you know, when the fire of temptation comes, you know, statements aren't going to hold you in that, right? You, you need to, you're going to hold on to that person who sees you and knows you um, and, and is for you. And so I think you see a, a, a lot of that going on deconstruction. Where the circles we run in, in athletics, I, there's something about it. Maybe it's because you're kind of pushed to your edge in athletics that there's this innate need that a lot of athletes have where they're, they're, they're kind of interested in, uh, you know, how do, I, how do I connect with God and does my sport yes. matter to him? Or they were the toast of the town, but, but they failed in some way on the field, and now their hearts are ripe for someone who loves them for who they are and not what they can do. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm raising a son who is very passionate about athletics and, you know, part of what my discipleship commitment is to him is helping him to develop an identity in Christ that sustains him in wins and in losses and setbacks Mm. and challenges as well as triumphs and victories and reminding him of who he is. Now, again, we got a long journey, and still we experience that roller coaster of good games and bad games and everything in between. Uh, but what I hear you saying is our response to deconstruction is building authentic relationships. And I couldn't agree with you more around this. And it may sound like a broken record, but it comes back to that, doesn't it? Again yeah. and again and again. And it doesn't mean that sometimes um, it's about intellectual questions. But even my learning, even what drives feel what I research, what I read, is my love for those that I'm trying to reach. There's way too Mm -hmm. much to read out here in the world. There's far too many subjects. What am I going to focus in on? Well, a lot of that is driven by who am I trying to reach? So right now, a lot of my reading has to do with uh, stuff my kids are interested in, you know, mm. and, and I'm not necessarily interested in all this stuff, but I want to reach them. So I got to become an mm. expert in Taylor Swift, friend. I got to become, yeah. I gotta become an expert in, in listening to their music and their video games and trying to understand who, what drives them and why. And that's one of the big questions that I've learned to ask, and I'm not at all professing to be an expert because, Phil, uh, I think nothing humbles me like parenting. Um, mm. But I will say that what I am learning to do, instead of just saying, no, I'm not interested in that, asking them, what is it about that 
that causes yes. you to like it? What is it that draws you to it? So even with the deconstruction, Phil, I find myself asking the young adults in, the, in my life, okay, what is it that's causing you to question your faith? Mm. Right? Is mm. it experience you've been through? Is it some new mm. information you've come across? What is it? And let's talk through it. Let's try to maintain relationship. And uh, my hope is by playing the long game that we'll see um, more young people say on the other side of that deconstruction journey. I may look at my faith a little bit differently, but I'm not letting go of Christ. And I Mm. think that that's a huge, huge win. We're going to talk about finding purpose in life in our next segment. Phil Gillespie, what a blessing it is to have him stop by. This is the last break of the day, but these breaks are strategic. They're an opportunity for you to learn more about the ministry of Equip, about our guests, so that you can join us on mission. The world desperately needs the gospel. People everywhere desperately need Jesus. So how are you investing in the spread of the good news of God's grace found in Christ alone? I want you to find out more at our website, equipradio.org. Also, consider becoming a monthly partner so that you can join us for our next Zoom webinar. 888-644-4144. We'll be right back. Here on Equip, it's our goal to help listeners like you to understand and apply biblical truth to the issues we encounter in our culture, our community, and our homes. But we need your help. Will you join our family of equippers by making an ongoing monthly donation to Equip? When you do, you'll have exclusive access to regular encouragement from me, as well as our Equipper webinars and other special offers. Become an Equipper today. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Time flies when you're having a great conversation. Such is the case with Phil Gillespie. I hope that you guys have been encouraged by this as well. For some of you, maybe it's finding the ministry call that Phil found years ago, he and his wife, Julie, that have uh, allowed them to pour and invest into the lives of hundreds upon hundreds of college students. For others, maybe it's a parent learning how do I reach my son and daughter with the gospel? We've talked to parents. We've talked about professors. I want to talk to pastors for just a moment, Phil. Um, I'm a pastor, and uh, I'm seeing ministry change so rapidly. Uh, when you talk about multi-generational ministry going from one generation to the next, what wisdom would you give to pastors on uh, who really want to build churches that welcome and cultivate a culture of deep discipleship in the life of college students? Boy, I would, I would want to talk to them about, uh, you mentioned it last segment, the long game. Uh, I, I feel like when you're in a position of spiritual leadership over a flock or a congregation, a pastor, right? It is so easy to measure your uh, success and and there, thereby your your self worth and value by your own performance, i.e., how yes. many people are attending and how big is my budget. And in fact, when there's conferences and leaders get together, 
they kind of size themselves up against one another, even in their mentally, in their own minds of how am I doing? And, and, if, and if it doesn't seem like I'm producing the results, uh, almost like a young kid, they get shamed when they see the, the perceived faces around them with frowns. Um, the long game, in, even in Jesus' own strategy, right? Um, he, he built into uh, faithful, available, teachable uh, people yes. and um, so that they would pass it on. And well, 2,000 years later, look, here we are on a radio. Yes. <laughs> on a radio yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so having the patience to do that, everything in our culture um, says, no, it's got to be immediate from the outside. And then the internal critic, we are our worst critics at yes. time. But am I resting in the gospel? Is, is, it, is it Jesus plus nothing? Or is it Jesus plus how I feel about myself or Jesus plus my performance? And so um, that has to be the North Star, love for God and love for people and letting God define success. It doesn't mean that we don't do strategies and, and programs and stuff, but man, that's at the heart of it. Man, I would add one thing. I want to say amen to everything you just said, and I would add one thing, and that is don't ever let go of the gospel. You know, as mm -hmm. pastors, we can often follow fads as well and think, um, man, we got to compete with the entertainment value of the world, right? And mm -hmm. uh, let's not fool ourselves. This is the most over-entertained generation in the world in the history of the world. Entertainment is everywhere you turn and so easily accessible. But I would just caution pastors to say, we can't compete with that in the long run. You may have a budget to be able to do some of that, but in the long run, what bears mo mo the most fruit is the gospel and helping to not only proclaim the gospel, but live the gospel and not backing away from the deep end going into the deep end of the gospel and being bold enough and um, I guess loving enough to call young people to something that's worth investing your entire life into, mm. surrendering your entire life to, and, uh, and that's Jesus Christ. Phil, I can't tell you how much of a blessing and an inspiration you and Julie are uh, to me, and man, what a joy it's been to have you on uh, with us. And friends, whether you're in the U.S. or you're in Canada, wherever you find yourself, I pray two things today. Number one, that you too would have a passion to know Jesus and to make him known, in particular to the next generation of college students. And then secondly, I pray that that passion would move from just mere aspiration to action. I love the name of this ministry, Athletes in Action. We need to put feet to our faith. And, uh, man, you can find out more Amen. about Phil, about AIA. Go to our website, equipradio.org. And also, if you need a relationship with Jesus, dial this number, 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Well, until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.
Hey there, friend. Chris Brooks here, and I want to help you to reclaim the art of Scripture memorization. You know, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, how long you've been a Christian, how poor your memory is, or how much education you have. Scripture memorization is for every believer. You can do it, and we'll show you how with our guest, Glenna Marshall, on the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on the Moody Radio app or equipradio.org.